Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. You can get it on the pulphockey.com website, the old school way. And uh, please review it, rank it, tell a friend, and help this thing grow. Um, not because you guys want to listen to me, Steve Mathis, uh, but because you want to listen to this man, uh, former NHLer for 18 years, now the lead analyst for TSN up in Canada. He calls, uh, works for NBC Sports in the U.S., much more. The guy knows the game the inside and out. Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? Uh, I'm good. I am. I actually did a game at home in Vancouver last night. I usually get one or two a year. Uh-huh. So I, get, I had Ottawa, Vancouver last night. Uh, that's Tuesday. Yep. And then I've got Winnipeg, Vancouver Thursday. And then my next game I'll do in Vancouver is next year. <laughs> so they, so lo- they load them up. Commu- so this is a good week. Like a work commute for me usually is a red eye flight mm-hmm. to Toronto, a game that day, a day off, then a game somewhere else, and then home. That's a commuting work week. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the red eye out of out of Toronto back to Vancouver? What time is it? I uh, can't get it. So you can't ha- get there. Oh, so you, so yeah. like for example, this week I I took the Sunday night red eye, left at ten thirty in the at night uh, from Vancouver, landed at five fifty in the morning in right. Toronto, sleep for a couple hours after I get to the hotel, go to the morning skate, putts around there for a couple hours, get whatever information and interview and talk to coaches that I can, go back, do got radio hits and mm-hmm. um and prep for the game, take a 45-minute nap, watch the Red Sox lose, and um, and then went back to the game. Next night, Tuesday night, or Tuesday morning, I was up at 5, flew back to uh, Vancouver, back down to the rink, did the morning skate. It's like rinse, wash, repeat, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. And uh, But you're talking to new guys, and then did the game last night. and Yeah. Came home this morning, or got home late last night, up to talk to you early this morning, and um, just the worst. The, we are. the wor- probably trying to squeeze some golf in today. That's why we're doing it early. No, I, uh, I'm doing laundry right now too. <laughs> um, I, I, by the way, yeah. this is totally unrelated to anything. Uh-huh. Are you a guy that can leave the laundry basket full? Yeah, wife does all of that. She's really good with it. I, I don't touch See, it. I, I am not like. You know, Cammy's running around my right. wife like fourteen different ways. Like yep. she got, you know, got the kids, and you know, I get home and I'm like, oh my god, look at that laundry basket. It's like this. It's it's like a challenge. I have to get it done. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I care. I've got yep. more than one pair of socks. But yep. anyway, they. So I'm running around this morning. We're getting the kids ready for school, and I'm like, damn, I got to do the laundry, and so. I'm running down with the laundry basket, and Cammy goes, "What are you doing?" I'm like laundry. She goes, "Do it later." I can't. Yeah, can't. I do don't it. even really know why. I can't. Uh, no, uh, we have no kids, so 
wife, uh, you know, not running around that much, and um, she doesn't want me to touch any of her laundry. Like, no chance. Zero chance. There's delicates in there, I guess. I, I guess. I just – see, but I'm such an A-type neat person. Like, right yeah. now, as we're doing this, I'm cleaning my office. <laughs> I can't, I just can't yeah. leave. Like I had a stack of papers that need to be put in the files. And I'm like, well, this will be a perfect time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I could do two things unless <laughs> I have been busted on overdrive doing the dishes. Yeah. Um, yeah. One time I, I, I tried to mute the phone while I did the garburator. That didn't go well. <laughs> So I'm, you know, I'm getting better. Yeah. You know, it's got to be quiet. Stuff. You, you, uh, you did the dishes on this pod too one time. People and people busted you. You also, I don't yeah, know. They did. They're like, is he doing? Di- yeah, doing dishes. <laughs> of course I am. Um, you woke up this morning too. Also, uh, your Red Sox, John Farrell, manager, got gassed. I don't think that was a surprise. No, I don't um, think so. So, you know, they had the, the, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, with the beanball stuff this summer. Yep. Yep. And Pedroia wasn't very complimentary nor supportive of Farrell. That's always a bad thing if mm-hmm. you're one of your leaders is not. Um he wasn't uh he wasn't hired by Dave Dombrowski, the GM. And they they seem to be up on two wheels a little bit. And so even though they win the division so he's won the division Farrell three times and finished last twice. Yep. And two World Series. Right. So it's like it's, it doesn't seem particularly fair, but it seemed like it was going to happen. I would like to make fun of your Sox losing to the Astros, um, but as a Blue Jay fan and all that, but when I look at the lineup, and the pitching was off this year, but when I look at that lineup, I'm like, yeah, and I look at everybody else, I'm like, yeah, they should probably win again next year. So I really don't want to, uh, they're not on the, down, yeah. on well, the downturn But in all. this series, I thought, you know what, the best team won. Yeah. Like Houston is just yeah. really good. Yeah. They're really good, and that uh, I, I love baseball playoffs. It just feels like something big is going to happen all the time. And uh, I, I assume the Yankees or the Indians are going to walk over the Yankees, but that has not happened. So we'll see. Well, just think if they yeah. wouldn't have screwed up the one game, this yeah. thing might be over. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there'll be some good stuff to watch. So, um, but, but by the way, I think we are hockey. So we, yeah, uh, yeah, we've done laundry, we've done baseball. <laughs> exactly. Well. Um, Last night, I went to the Vegas Golden Knights home opener, first ever game. I went to a preseason game, but this was their first ever regular season game. I paid a, a ton of money for some really good seats because I have a half season, but um, it wasn't included in this game. And, I, and you know what, Ray? I'm like, you know what? It's the first game ever. I, I got to go. I got to Well, go. you sent me a picture, and then you tweeted out uh, where you were sitting. You were right on the glass. And yeah. um, it. I assume, um, just watching the highlights, uh, that was a a pretty all encompassing night. Like it started with the the tribute and the remembrance to the victims of the of the shooting in 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 Vegas. And why don't you? Because most of us just watched on TV or saw on highlights. Tell us tell us about how that was. Yeah. So um, you know the the owner Bill Foley said, "Hey, we're not going to do our regular uh, wham bam kind of uh, presentation and game ops thing and all that because of the because of the uh, tragedy here." And so it was kind of a somber, cold beginning. You know, the the names of the victims were on the ice for for um, um, a, a moment of silence, fifty eight seconds for every victim, and and there was lots of sniffling around my section, Ray. Lots of people that you know. 
weren't uh, weren't really holding it together that well. And uh, it was just they brought out the first responders, um, every man on the on the, uh, 25 of them, and and coach and GM. Everyone kind of went behind somebody, part of the organization, and uh, that was really a nice touch. I liked. I thought that was awesome. I, I thought they did everything really well. A moment of silence for for each victim. Bring out the first responders, firemen, sheriff. There was a canine guy, nurses, uh, first responders. Um, now, where were the Arizona Coyotes during this? Um, they were not on the ice. They were not on the they ice. They weren't at the beginning, but they stayed at the end, correct? Yeah, props to them for doing it. They lined up behind the, the Golden Knights players for the national anthem. So the, all the first responders were first, then the Knights, then Arizona guys lined up behind that. And then at the end of the game, they stuck around and saluted the the city of Vegas, you know, after a, after a tough loss, and I, that's one of the things I want to say is for sure props to, to them for doing it. You know, it was cool. Um, I thought it was done well. Um, I'm not a an overly emotional guy, but it was it got deep, man, for sure. You know, I'm 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 from Canada. I've lived in Vegas for only ten years. You know, I'm not a born and bred guy, but you know, it happened here, and it's gnarly, and and I think about it a lot. I still do. Um, it's hard to read all the victim stories, and the team did a good job. Of, of everything. Not like you, we were talking before. I hit record. Not too much, but enough honoring the right people. Um, and then the game kind of went on. It, it from there it went on. Ray, it was a normal night of hockey. Well, and, you know. it couldn't have been normal because we were at the first intermission mm-hmm. of of our game in in Vancouver, and uh, I went out to you know to get something to drink and mm-hmm. looked up and it was one nothing. Turned around and opened up the water bottle. Turned around and it was two nothing. Yeah, and that had to be like an avalanche of of noise and emotion in there when like when Vegas runs out like that. Yeah, absolutely. Anti Ranta let let in a couple of weak ones. I, I felt bad for him, but it almost was Ray like it was just predetermined almost like it was going to happen. They were all over the, the Coyotes. They were uh, they were forechecking. They were backchecking. They, they the Arizona guys couldn't even carry out of the zone. They would get stick check from behind. They were on it. They were aggressive and uh, and Ranta didn't you know he didn't make I think he made he didn't have his night. I think he had one save. I think he made one save out of well. Out how of about how about this thought though? So like I think most people felt given the resources that George McPhee was going to have. And the time that he had to to build an organizational plan that Vegas would be would have at least as good a chance as any expansion team that's come in to be relatively decent, what whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But to be the first team to win three straight games out of the box, I was part of an expansion team. We lost our first three games. <laughs> I'm not even sure we touched the puck in the three games. But this is a really terrific start. Some really good stories I think we it, should touch on. You know, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, of course, is, is the headliner and was brilliant in the opener against Dallas. Um, gets the shutout last night. James Neal's got five goals already. Um, and then you see what Vegas can do. Um, a player like Brandon Leipzig, who was kind of buried in the Leafs organization, He's he's got a chance. He's got a breath of fresh air. Now, what he does with it, we'll see. But mm-hmm. he sure looked good last night. And uh, I think Cody Eakin also had a really good game. Uh, um, now, two yeah. years ago, Cody Eakin, or the last four years, mm-hmm. Eakin has had between thirty-five and forty points. And then last year, for whatever reason, he just fell off the cliff in Dallas. And so, this is a brand new oppor- opportunity for him too. 
And for all these guys, it's like it's it's exciting and it's challenging and it's opportunity. And that's all you really you want the opportunity in your career. Now, I got news for the fans of Vegas. It's not going to be like this all the time. Uh, hold, hold on. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to grab my wife. I need you to talk to her. Yeah, she probably she's is, probably thinking 82 and 0 or, or hey, maybe they could get a playoff spot. Oh, they, it, 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 it is, yeah. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of nights where the try will be there and the result won't be. But this is a I'm I'm happy for Vegas. Yeah. I want them to do well. I want them to be a a competitive team in in relatively short order. I will say I think with the salary cap, it's probably easier to get to a midline team mm-hmm. than it was in the past. You know, in Atlanta, you know, again, in my experience, we we were playing Pittsburgh one night. Their power play made more money than our team. <laughs> they were on the ice, and we were laughing on the bench. We're like, look at their five guys, and we were doing some math while the game was yeah, going while on. Yeah, like, going on. <laughs> we're like, damn, they make more money than our whole team. Let me ask you this. When you started with the Thrashers, though, and, and my wife and I, after the game, we grabbed a drink. There's a you know, little plaza with lots of restaurants and bars right there, right, right outside the arena. Um, it's really, really done well. When you were with the Thrashers, year one, are you, were you ever like, holy crap, these guys get it. This is going to work. Look at no. all the jerseys. No. Never. Okay. <laughs> Never. Because, <laughs> what, and, this is, and this is why I think um, – you know, in in and why it'll be different in Vegas until the the football team gets there. There's nothing else really to cheer for. You can gamble and go to the sports books and you know yep. and do all the other things that they you know that people do in Vegas, but there's no team to connect to. So there's nothing to rally about being excited about. Yep. In Atlanta, there's college football which is massive. There is high school football, which I didn't even really know existed till I moved there and then thought I would go down on a Friday night with my kids and go to the high school game. Well, it was sold out. You needed season tickets, 5,000 people <laughs> at a high school football game. There's the Braves. There's the Falcons. There's NASCAR. Oh, yeah, and the hockey team. Yeah. Like you were so far down the chain, it was, I think, an impossibility in a city that really doesn't have um, a built-in culture for for it to get a, a footing. And then, of course, we sucked, which yeah. which didn't help either. But I I do think in Vegas there's there's an opportunity to to grab a portion of people, and it becomes something they love to do. In Vancouver here, my family we are season ticket holders to the Vancouver Whitecaps, mm-hmm. and we are. We are engaged in being fans of something that's not the biggest ticket in town. The Canucks generally are. But it's what we like. It's what we are fans of. And I think the Knights, the Golden Knights, can do the same thing. Well, you'll see when you come here. I was really surprised. I'm I'm Johnny Neutral. Like I like the Leafs, and and you're I'm, not Johnny Neutral. You're well, okay. a Leafs fan. You got besides a tattoo the Leafs. on your ass. Yeah, besides the Leafs. I'm saying, Which, like, by the way, is a big tattoo. <laughs> Um, I, I, Not that I've seen it. Right, exactly. That was the next question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 
I, I'm just like, hey, I don't. I my my wife's decked out. She's made signs. Um, she's got a little flower. She's holding and and everything else. I was so impressed. Both games, preseason game also. Um, I'm so impressed by these aren't corporate tickets. These aren't people just um, that know nothing about the game, but they they decided to check it out. These were fans, man. Uh, so many jerseys and shirts and and a Daniel Briere throwback penguin jersey. Even uh, <laughs> there was. A lot of real fans um, that were were into it, man. Um, I was really well. They really... they said that. Uh, I remember when they started to sell the tickets, and everyone said, "Well, the casinos are going to buy them up." And and they talked the Golden Knights immediately about the need to have a solid season ticket base of people from Vegas, like not the casinos. Yeah. Yep. Because and and when you think of it, that's you know. My thought was, well, who cares who's in the building as long as there's people in the building? But you can see why that's important because yep. if there's a connection, then the the brand grows. Otherwise, it's just one thing to do. Hey, do you want to go watch a show or yeah. go to the or yeah. go to the hockey game? We'll go to the hockey game. Okay, we got there late. Uh, the game wasn't great that night. We left early. Right, right. It was... You know, like you don't. That's that's not the way to for it to build. No. Uh, so it was really. It's it's full of fans, man. People have really embraced it. I, I'm impressed, and that includes the preseason game I went with. These people know hockey. There was a little bit of a the 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 PA guy or somebody comes on the mic and goes, "That was icing. That was an offside." They don't do it every time, but they do it some. I'm like, okay, that's a little much. But there was um, a lot. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I know that there is um, um, there is a. A balance between the traditional fan and the, mm-hmm. the fact that you have to educate some people that aren't quite so knowledgeable about it. Yep. And and it's important to do that without pissing off your traditional fan. Yep. yep. But the traditional fan has to also understand. Hey, look, not everybody has seen as many games as me. Mm-hmm. And the people that are in the building, the more they enjoy it and understand it, the better it is. Yep. It They'll was, come back. Yeah. Like, just think if you're watching the game and the team, team's got the puck, they're rushing up the ice, all of a sudden the whistle blows, everybody kind of mills around for five <laughs> seconds, and then they drop the puck outside the blue line. Yeah. If you don't know what offside is, you're like, what, well, what? why, what was, <laughs> what just happened? It's like a, it would be like a, a quarterback snapping the ball and then the receiver just stops. He's riding, he just stops. That's it. Yeah, like, well, why did they stop, and why why did he just hand it to that guy in the striped shirt? Right, um, he's not even on the team. Yeah. Oh, there's a penalty. <laughs> it was uh, it was cool, man. It was good. It was neat to be there, and uh, like I said, they're certainly one of the one of the best stories out of the gate. Um, you know, three and zero. Yep. Um, you know, brand new team. Random. Uh, uh, that's why. That's one of the. That's one of the terrific stories early on. What's been, I think, a really really exciting start to the season. Yeah, yeah, let's get into that a little bit. Um, all right, so let's first, well, let's first go, we've got a lot of goals, and that's awesome, and you're happy, and I'm happy, because we've talked yeah. about it a hundred times, but we have a lot of goals, almost the start of every year before things clamp down, but let me ask you this, it probably will clamp down, and why does it clamp down? I, I think a couple, a couple things um, generally happen. One is... When there is, um, first of all, this is the most goals at the start of a season since the 05-06 season. Oh, okay. Incidentally, yeah. 
506 was the year that they had the obstruction crackdown. So it's not that power plays are so much better. If you look around the league, you'll see a bunch of teams that have zero for the power play so far this year. But there's more chances that are generated. So what I like about this crackdown with the slashing Mm -hmm. uh, on the hands, now there are some penalties you go, man, that's not even really a slash. But you can't differentiate between, okay, that's in the neutral zone and it doesn't matter. Oh, that's in the offensive zone. It does matter. It's got to be the same all up and down the ice. Yep. So a player's got a scoring chance. And just when he goes to shoot, last year, a guy slashes his hands and the puck goes into the corner. Well, this year they can't slash his hands. So a chance that looked like a chance last year is a chance now. And that means that whatever the percentage is, there's going to be a couple more goals. So that's number one. It becomes harder to defend until the players figure out how to defend it. Mike Babcock has talked a great deal about what he thinks is going to happen is players are going to get into the habit of having their sticks on the ice, and so they'll push the puck away instead of slash the guy in the hands. So that's been a reason, I think, one reason why goals Goals are up. Two are... Top to bottom, there's more skill in this league than there's ever been. So the guys that are getting the chances have a better chance of scoring than guys that would plunge it into the goalies' pads in you know yeah. in past years. Yeah, other years. Because now those guys aren't in the league. Their their jobs are you know fourth line players, third line players are now guys that can produce. And then the other thing is that it's early. And so games are always, as you mentioned, yep. they seem to have more offense early. Why do goals go down? The league generally bails, historically has bailed on the standard that they call early in the season. And so guys realize, oh, wait a minute, I can get away with a little bit of crap here. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I'll just keep doing it until somebody calls <laughs> a penalty on me. Well, if they stay on the standard, I think they're on the way to something good. Because I think the players will learn and adapt, and there'll be less slashing penalties. There'll be less of those penalties that seem like ticky-tacky little garbage penalties. And I think as teams travel, as teams get tired, um, it's easier to dumb the game down defensively than it is to keep go, 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 go. And so as the pace slows just a bit, like just think if the pace slows just 10%, Mm -hmm which it probably will when guys get banged up and you're playing three games and four nights, five games and eight nights, and you're tired yep. and you're traveling all over the bloody place, that goals come down a little bit. That, that's, yep. that's, why I think they, that's why I think there's more goals. That's why I think the goals come down a little bit. Todd McClellan, when he was in San Jose, now the coach in Edmonton, had this great saying. He'd say, you know, it's a race to three in this <laughs> league. If you get three goals, you generally win. My hope is that the league becomes a race to four, that you'll need four goals to win most nights. Because if that's the case, now we're at six and seven goals a night, mm-hmm. and I think that's fantastic for the sports. Turn the highlights on, and you get to see six or seven goals in the morning. Yeah. Right? You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, oh, look at that game. As opposed to, oh, look at that, they scored in the first minute, and then yeah. that was about it. That sucks. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch these early games. It, it has been mostly fun to watch these early games. Well, I was in Toronto on Monday night, mm-hmm. and for a come from behind four three overtime win, 
the Leafs absolutely dominated that game. The last two periods, I was like, look at how they have they have the puck the whole time. Yeah. And then when it got to that overtime, man, I could watch that all day. Right. Like the the <laughs> the skill of these guys was was amazing. You know, I mean, so you got you've got Taves and Kane. Uh, are out there. Sharp is out there. They've got that little DeBrincat was out there um, uh, who scored his first NHL goal in Montreal on Tuesday night. They didn't have um, Nick Schmaltz who would have been out there, another highly skilled guy. Yep. And then the Leafs have about nine guys with skill that they throw out there. And uh, Matthews wins it with just a perfect shot. Right. How are you, you going to stop that shot? Uh, the only way you stop it is if it hits your head. <laughs> because the shot was delivered in such a place that, like, to me, it's literally the perfect shot. Mm-hmm. So it's between the glove and the ear. So you can't get, you can't shrug your shoulder up high enough to make that stop that mm-hmm. a lot of goalies make. You can't get your glove in that quickly into your, you know, close to your head. Nope. So the only way, there's only two ways that shot doesn't go in if you can deliver it like that yeah it's if it hits the crossbar goes over the net or hits the goalie in the head because otherwise it's in yep it was was a brilliant shot um now obviously uh we had the chicago feed down here it was on nhl network and uh in high def and i usually choose to watch the high def but i watched the highlights of of yourself calling it you you let it sink in a little bit there before you described it was loud yeah it was like it's amazing to see in buildings now the teams that you can tell the fans are they feel it like that their their team is good. You can tell when you're in a building where they don't quite believe it yet. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as loud. Yeah. It's yeah. not quite as energetic. The fact that it was Chicago makes it a cool thing anyway. You know, like I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these at the two teams skating around just to start, and I'm like. Wow, this is a good sweater night. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I mean, Chicago yeah, yeah. and Toronto's yeah. jerseys. Like, look at these things. They're yeah. fantastic. And then, the you know, there was a frustration bubbling in the building because the Leafs just they couldn't crack this Anton Forsberg. Yep. They're like, they, they had all kinds of chances. They just couldn't score. And then they score, and the building erupts. Connor Brown scored. And then Van Riemsdyk scored. And then they almost win it three or four times. Then they... Overtime is chaotic. And when he finally scored, it was like it sounded like playoffs. Yeah. And I'm like, man, these people are, they are so excited. Like for the first time in forever, they've got a real chance to be a good team. I mean, last year was just a, a bolt of lightning, mm-hmm. I think, for all you Leaf fans. Right? It was, no, like, it, was, it, was uh, it was some desert. It was some water in a, in a 15-year trek through the desert. Yeah, and except it w- the water was so unexpected, right? Nobody yeah. really thought the Leafs were going to be that good last year. Now you're like, man, I, I think people have to acknowledge, and Gordon Miller and I were talking about this, and, and we said, man, they're just good. You know, yeah, you, can't, yeah, yeah. Like you can't say, oh, it was a surprise. I mean, last year was, but when you look at their team, you go, they're, yeah. they're just good. They're good. Yep. And so that's been uh, the Leafs have been a a really large story uh, as well. The domination. 
that they've played with. You know, they seven to two against against Winnipeg in the season opener. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then they score eight. They give up five against yeah. the Rangers. Yeah, with a little little mid mid game, a little uh, mid game nap there. Yeah, exactly. And and then you know, and then this game the other night, and they play New Jersey tonight, who is another good story. Yeah, yeah, they are. They really are. Jesper, I had to look up. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about all the new players and young guys. I had to look up who Jesper Bratt is. <laughs> Me too. So I'm <laughs> I'm watching the the first game of the year, and. He scores, but I can't see from where I'm watching. And I'm like, was that his year? Like, wow, that was a really good shot. That kid took the pass. He was patient. And then he beat Bernier up over the blocker. And I was like, I think that's his year. And I got closer, and I see Bratt. And I'm like, man, I remember him from, like, he's supposed to be on the Swedish junior team this year. Uh And then I go, look, he's a sixth-round pick from 2016. He's the youngest teenager in the NHL in 20 years. Uh, the latest draft pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I said that wrong. He's the latest teen, latest draft pick that's a teenager yeah. that's made the NHL in 20 years. He's got five points. Yeah. The Devils got six against Buffalo the other night. Like, this is a really good story, too. They're slowly turning the corner. They're getting some more skill into their lineup. The game is skill, skill, skill. Yeah. And it takes time to acquire it. It does, yeah, and you need a guy, a six-rounder, to kind of emerge, to come out of nowhere. You need that. Well, Toronto's got one, Connor Brown. Yep. You know, like, I look at Connor Brown. He doesn't fit what today's player's supposed to be. He's not super fast. He's not, you know, doesn't have a real aggressive game. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a great shot, except he's just really good. Like, everything he does, you're like, oh, he's just, he's a good player like he's sitting there on the fourth line in toronto i don't think it'll be long before he pushes his way up every game into a line that's not working mm-hmm. he's going to be a fix it guy sure yeah 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 and um like the other night he was critical to their comeback he also seems to be accepting of his role is you know he's, he's like yeah no i'm working hard i'm gonna you know well i'll tell head, you there's so. a couple things there I, I'm with you, but there's a couple things there. Okay. One is you don't really have a choice, so you have to accept it. Yeah, true. If you, yep. if you don't accept it, you're only hurting yourself. Number two was he signed a three-year contract making $2 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. That helps you accept it. Yeah. But in January, if he were still playing eight minutes a night, he'd start to get a little itchy. Yep. But the other night, he played eight minutes on special teams. You know, like he's, it's not like his minutes really are disappearing. They're just different minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. He's got to accept it. He's got to get his head around that. And, and he has. But there's a couple of factors that, yeah. that also make it a little easier. The other thing is, it's also really cool to be on a good young team. It really is. They're all the same age, man. They must be. Ha- they better be having the time of their lives because yeah. there's going to be times when the season seems 14 years long for them. Right now, isn't yeah. it? Um, all right, we covered some surprises early on. We're, we're only a weekend, so you know, calm down. But uh, what about disappointments like Montreal, Buffalo, Winnipeg? Got well, a win, but geez. Well, um, I'll start with Montreal. Uh, I didn't pick them for a playoff spot, and and that might prove to be wrong, but the concern I had was they have a defense that's really average. Um, You know, they've got Shea Weber, they've got Carl Alsner, and Jeff Petrie as their top three, 
And then after that, they got a 19-year-old kid, Victor Mete, who had a great camp but looked a little bit out of his depth last night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got pushed around on a on a goal last night that looked just like because he was young, right? You know, like yep. that just just happens, and that's that's the way that was. And and then you've you know you've got David Schlemko and Jordy Ben, and you know nobody that's going to be a, a world beater, Joe Morrow. And so it's an average defense. Then up front, I just don't see where the goals are going to come from. Their center ice position is probably the worst center ice position in the NHL. Um, or if it's not the worst, it's, it's, it's right there. And so their, their ability to generate is, and to finish is, is not terrific. So they've got a... We've got a team that's got it's kind of average defensively. They got a team that doesn't score a lot. They're you know they had 40 shots again last night, but you can keep getting a lot of shots if you don't have the finishers. Then you got problems, and that's kind of where I see with Montreal now. Buffalo, I figured there'd be a little bit of transition stuff, and you know it's going to take them a little bit of time mm-hmm. with with new coach and things with you know Phil Housley there, yeah. and, but they were brutal against. Jersey, Jersey the other yeah, day. Yeah. They were just brutal. They've given up 12 goals in their last two games. Their defense is not very good. Um, you know, it's the first year for Jason Botterill and Phil Housley, and um, they got some bumps in the road there. But since Terry Pagula took over the team, um, they've spent all kinds of money and got zero result. Yeah. They've got a sl- They've They have. It's impeca- imperative that they slow the train down there a little bit. You know, like that, oh, we're going to be a great team. We're going to yeah. do this. We're going to throw lots of money at it. They're still playing Villy Lionel, um, you know, on a buyout, like, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, it's bad teams or teams that aren't successful that are paying guys on buyouts long, long, long after they're gone right. is not a good sign. No. Like the New York Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> That comes up every year too. I love it. It's well, but it should come up every year. Yeah, it's great. Like so, you know. I mean, Buffalo's still got to try and work their way out of some some bad mistakes, um, some drafts that haven't gone so well. But they are, for me, they're a disappointment. I mm-hmm. I thought they'd be a little better out of the gate. This is again, it's not. You know, we're yeah, not. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's calm down. I mean, you know, we're not yeah. we're not talking about a season-ending uh, uh, stretch of the season, but it's yeah. not it's not great. And Winnipeg needed that win over the Oilers, but uh, it's been rough. Steve Mason, our opening game was wasn't good. Thank you for for that for the Leafs, but um, yeah. It, it, I'm... Well, he's given up eleven goals in eleven periods, and <laughs> um, you know they signed him to to be their kind of their one A guy in front yeah. of uh, um, uh, Connor Hellebuck. But Hellebuck played the third game one and you know one, yep. and so they play tomorrow here in Vancouver and. Uh, Thursday, that being, and um, we'll see who they start in goal. I mean, for me, I would start Hellebuck. He just played oh, well. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, but we'll see. You know, um, we'll see. What are your takeaways from Ottawa and uh, Canucks last night? Um, Ottawa Ottawa played pretty well. Pretty good road game. Um, in particular, they don't, you know, they still don't have Eric Carlson. They don't have Johnny Oduya, which was probably going to be, you know, their top pair or at least two of their top four defensemen. They had a couple of kids in the lineup. Um, 
uh, Christian Yarosh, who's a fifth rounder from 2016, and Thomas Shabbat, who's their, you know, their big hope. Um, he's a, a their 2016 first rounder. Yeah, we just took that um, question last week, Ray, about when he was coming up on our Twitter questions. Yeah, no time soon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, right. they got three injuries right now. <laughs> yes, now. <laughs> and by the end of the game, they were both taking a regular shift. Now that's just for one game, but that was really impressive. Yeah. Craig Anderson was good in goal. Um, they're a forward at least short. Uh, Pierre Dorian has been, um, you know, he said publicly he's been trying to find another forward. They're looking to add another forward. Um, they just haven't haven't found the way to do it yet. Um, I I think the you know the hunt will be months long, not not weeks long, right? Before they find however they make a deal work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vancouver was. Um, little sloppy early, um, better in the middle. And then they they had I would I would say they had enough chances to win, but they just they didn't have a great night. It wasn't they weren't anywhere as good as they were in the opener when they beat the Oilers. So you know, a decent game I would say. Mm-hmm. Um the Canucks certainly appear under Travis Green, like they're going to try and play a lot more aggressively than they did last year under Willie Desjardins. And so if I'm a Canucks fan, um, I'm really happy about that. Did because, you get, I, you know, last year was like watching paint dry. Um, Travis Green, your ex-teammate, now the coach yep. of Canucks, like you said, do you get a chance to, to catch up with him and find out? I mean, it's early, but did he give you any sort of insight on his, his, his sort of... Oh, a little bit. I mean, I, I talked to him yesterday, got a chance to sit down with him and... How much of it is just laughing about old stories, and how much of it is well, game a little bit, yeah, uh, more than more than any substance for sure. <laughs> right. um, you know, like I, I was telling him that you know, like I just find it hilarious that that Travis is a, you know, is a coach to begin with, <laughs> because he would have not been my choice. Um, which of your teammates is going right. to is going to coach? Right. It wouldn't have been him. I mean, he, he, so he's got a great line. He said, he goes, I would have cut myself 10 times. <laughs> and so he, you know, so we laughed a little bit about that. And then we talked about the team and the direction they want to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in Vancouver here, you know, it didn't take them long to, to stir, stir the, the Hornets nest up by not playing Brock Besser the first couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, his take is they, they like Besser a lot. Um, they played so well the first game that they weren't going to change the lineup. Um, he really tired towards the end of camp um, or really flattened out, mm-hmm. um, I guess is probably the better way to put it. And so now you've got, you know, you've got a, a fan base that wants you to play the player now. Um, you've got a player who's excited the organization and the fans, the organization really likes him. They say, Oh, we love him. We, you know, we love the way he plays, but the fans want you to love him now. Not, not in a month when, because you think he needs more time to get ready. And so like, or to be ready. And, And so it's this little push pull that they got going here. I would suspect that they didn't play, you know they didn't play particularly well yesterday, and so I would suspect that they'll probably um, they'll probably make a change Drop and he'll there. go into the lineup now. Who they take out, I um, I'm not real sure, but um, you know it might be Burmistroff, 
could be Vertanen. Um, but it, you know, there's they're at a point where they're they're not going to rush anybody mm-hmm. because it's not in their best interest to do so. So unfortunately, people are going to have to wait. But I think I think Besser will play. On, um, right. on Thursday, yeah, they, I watched the uh, game against the Oilers. They really, they checked them into the ground, man. Not a lot of scoring opportunities. They did a good job. They were on it. They were well, aggressive. They, yeah. they, okay, but when you're a when you're a team that's not great, mm-hmm. and they're not. Yeah. the The problem is you have to play almost at perfect level to win, and that level is really hard to come by. And so that's that's kind of where they're. Mm-hmm. Where they're at, yep. you know, like you, you got to be, you so want to be better. Right. You think you can be better, um, but to get there every night, you know, it's hard right. to do. Uh, we 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 didn't mention St. Louis four and Nice job. Yes, yes, good job. Really good stuff in St. Louis, particularly with all the injuries that they have. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they're. I thought they would be um, a team that would have would have issues coming out of the gate For sure. um, yeah. until they get guys back. Now, they haven't slowed down. They're 4-0. and uh, Jaden Schwartz is off to a really good start. Um, I, I, think I, I think they might be, next to Vegas, the most surprising story for me. Um, just because of the quality and the number of people that they lost. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think we brought, we brought them up about their injuries in, in our preview. And you're like, oh boy. You know, so... Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, with such a limited time, Ray, in which to enjoy your watercraft, which it's now October, so it's pretty much no chance to enjoy your watercraft anymore up there. Don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect your property in the event of an accident or theft. Let, let Wyatt Dowling ensure you're properly covered. Leave your worries at the door. Allpointsinsurance.ca. Uh, it, it, uh, features include all risk, agreed value protection, claims paid without depreciation. And uh, winterization, freezing, uh, and vermin coverage also, uh, co- which applies to, uh, right now when, when your vehicle and is... lots of time for it. Yeah, absolutely. So please, thanks to those guys for coming on, allpointsinsurance.ca. And this is the Paul Pocky Podcast with uh, Ray Ferraro. And uh, all right, let's get into a little couple more things here. We got a, a random NHLer I want to ask you about as well as uh, take a few Twitter questions also. Um, did you ever... Were you ever on a team... That just couldn't win in a certain building. Now the players change, the coaches change, you know, but there's streaks that just go on and on because the Calgary Flames just broke one. Um, have you ever had well, that? Yeah, two, two, two of them. I mean, Calgary hadn't won in there, I think, in a, in 29 games, counting the playoffs. Counting playoffs, yep. Uh, which is ridiculous. Um, I was in Hartford, and um, it was 1985. And 1986, rather, and we beat the Canadiens in Montreal for the first time in franchise history. So that From was about six years. 79 to 86 or 88 or whatever. whatever you yeah, to, to, to 86. And that was the first time. And after the game, uh, there was a snowstorm, and so our, we had to stay overnight. So the guys were so pumped, right, to stay <laughs> right, overnight in Montreal. Right. And Dave Semenko was on our team. And uh, he says, so you know what? It was past 86. It might have been 88. And uh, 
so the guys are hollering around, and Dave says, uh, man, we weren't this happy when we won the Cup in Edmonton. <laughs> and uh, so that was one. And then the other one was Atlanta. We had trouble winning anywhere. Yeah, that was it. Just any, every, yeah. every win was something, like, amazing. Um, amazing, astounding. It's just funny because, like I said, players change, coaches change. And, Ray, if you were a player getting asked about it, you're like, I don't care about five years ago. Yeah. And I don't give a crap. But – for some reason, these things happen. They carry on. I always find them so interesting. Like, is it just random, or is there well, something? It has that- to be random because it's so. <clears throat> excuse me. It's so. As you mentioned, like it's new players, new coaches. It's not like it's the same guys. Yeah. I I never that I never pay much attention to those streaks because it's almost like saying, oh, you know, uh, this team never never wins on Tuesday night. Like, what the hell does that matter? Right, right. It doesn't matter. The The team that started that losing streak for Calgary and Anaheim has nothing to do with today's team. Yet, the same jersey keeps going in there and losing year after year. And so they brought, they had uh, some film clips they made a, um, in their pregame meeting. They, they had a stall um, made up for Joe Boo. Um, <laughs> saw that. And if you've seen Major League, you know who Joe Boo is. Right. He's, uh, Pedro Serrano was the big first baseman who couldn't uh, couldn't hit a curveball. Yep. And uh, so he's in a big spot, and he's up to bat, and he says, Joe Boo, you don't help me now. I say, fuck you, Joe Boo. <laughs> yeah. and, and he got a base hit. Yep. And so they were looking for a little help from Joe Boo, and uh, Joe Boo came through for them. It was great. It was awesome. I mean, you got to do yeah. something, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. And if nothing else, it makes everybody laugh, right? I'm still laughing at Semenko's line. <laughs> yeah, that, that was outstanding. We didn't Sammy was a very funny man. When we won the cup, you guys, everybody <laughs> calm down. <laughs> yeah, relax, guys. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, hey, I was at the, noticing the game last night, the, the face-off rule, the face-off violation with the feet. They're letting it go yeah. already. The feet aren't, aren't where they're supposed to be, at least in the game last night. Well, I, I think what it, what they're what they've kind of got to in discussions with the players is, as long as the the sticks and feet aren't moved in a position of advantage, they're yep. going to drop the puck. They're going to be all right with it, right? Yeah. Now, see, to me, it's a, such a slippery slope because, as we talked about with the slashing, if they don't watch this by the end of the year, mm-hmm. it will look. Again, like a wrestling match. Yep. Yep. And and I don't I don't know how they can think that that it doesn't become laughable that most people think, oh yeah, here's a here's a new rule, and then the general consensus is, oh yeah, good for them because by the end of the year, it's not going to be there anyway. Yeah, like yeah. They, I was, you know, you just to me, you make a laughing stock of yourself if that's the case. Yeah, I, I it was a, I like the the rule. I like it. I think that's really good. Tidy back up. Put it the way it was supposed to be because dudes were putting their heads right over the dot, you know, basically. Well, uh, but, but the thing is, that's been going on forever. Right. Right? Like, that just, that's been going on forever. And so the bigger guys, what they would do is they'd get close to the circle and they'd stick their head right over top of the circle and you you can't even budge. So as a smaller guy, what I would try and do is I'd try and get my head 
underneath theirs. <laughs> and then they try and push me harder with right. their head. So you're basically like two rams pushing your heads together. Yeah. And so it, it wasn't even a face-off. It was like, like a rugby scrum. Yeah, it really was, right? So, um, all right, so let's, uh, let's get some Twitter questions here from people. Uh, this is something I had on my list to talk about, speaking of Vegas, and um, um, get your thoughts on it. Vadim Shipachev, uh, Vadim Shipachev from Vegas. Yep. Now, I, this, we talked about this signing. You, 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 you know him well, or not, not well, but you've watched him plenty. Watched uh, him play, for yep. sure, yeah. We thought he would be a number one center, uh, older guy from the KHL. Well, you, you might know. have, yeah. Well, uh, for them, for, for them, for Vegas. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's, he's, in, well, he's not in Chicago. He's working out in Vegas or something, but he, now he wants to go back, and, and his agent said no, and McPhee's like, yeah, we own him, and it, it's a confusing situation. What's up with that? Yeah, so basically, basically what's happened, because of his age and the fact he's never been over here, he doesn't need waivers to go to the American League. So Vegas is stuck with a bunch of guys that do need waivers. So they don't want to put them on waivers to send them to the American League because they're fearful that another team would pick them up, in particular because they're defensemen. And they, you know, and you, might, you might lose one, then one guy gets hurt, and now you're really down depth-wise. Yeah. That's, that's their fear. So they send Shipachev down. Now, this was my evaluation watching him in Europe. Talented, um, uh, very good passer, slight, not a big guy, yeah. not really involved in the physical parts of the game. But that doesn't mean you can't be successful in North America because there are lots of times in Europe where there's a lot of ice that doesn't require you to be physical. The biggest issue I have watching him play and thinking about him as an NHLer is – he plays uh, almost like a Gretzky style. Lots of east and west. Mm-hmm. Hold the puck, kind of, you know, work yeah. his way to Cir- the outside, make a pass. Circle back, right? Circle around. Yeah, there's right. no time right. here. But he hasn't played enough to make any evaluation on him. Yep. So it's really an odd spot. I can't imagine practicing in Vegas is, you know, yeah, what he thought was going to be happening, or practice practicing. You know, I don't know like, what he's doing. He's not in Chicago. Well, he's, just, yeah. he's kind of skating around. He can't practice with the Golden right, Knights. Right. But you know, his his wife is here. She doesn't speak English. Like you, you gotta, you know, people have to realize it's there's more to it than just the hockey. Yeah. Even though you can say, yeah, but it's his job to, you know, it's hockey. You know, that's it. Blah blah blah. Just picture yourself in Russia. Yeah, yeah. And you got to go away for four and a half hours every day to go train and practice and do all that stuff. And your wife is sitting at home doing what? I, I'm, like, you I'm, can't talk to anybody. You can't, like, that would get lonely and it would suck in a hurry. Yeah. Which actually, you know, talking about uh, back in the day, the big red machine, uh, Vladimir Krutov, that was an issue with him. He didn't well, fit in. He came well. to Vancouver. Right. Well, there fit. were two issues with one with him. Um, one was that you know he came to Vancouver. His wife doesn't speak English, mm-hmm. and so here they are trying to figure out how to navigate a new, not just a new you know a new city, but a, a new country, a new way of life. And that was the first issue. The second issue was he ate himself out of the league. Yeah, 
Yeah, he enjoyed you know, like the he, North American cuisine. He he enjoyed the cuisine. Um, but, and so that was uh, but you know, you that know, was something yeah. that was an issue for him too. For sure. But I'm saying too, like looking back, I saw an interview with him, and he he said it was really lonely, really hard to get around, really didn't. I, I can't you know, even imagine. Right. Yeah. Like but, we go to Europe. You know, I go to Europe every year to the. You know, to the World Championships, and we're in countries that yeah. um, a lot of times are, you know, are not that easily maneuverable in English. You know, we were in Russia two years ago, and um, you know, you're not finding much English there. No. You're using your Google Translate as much as you can. Well, we're looked after. We're told, here's our hotel, here's how you get to the rink, here, you know, like they look after us. These guys. You'd be surprised how much on their own they are. Yeah, and and it would like we often comment on it. And quite frankly, I wish I had more experience traveling abroad when I was a player because I would have been more understanding of what these guys co- are are doing when they come here. Why it's so difficult for them. I'm really surprised though that with this with Shipachev leaving the KHL, there wasn't some sort of like. We're, you're, you've made the team. We are going to give you thirty games. You know we are yeah, going to. I'm, like, I'm a little surprised by that too. And I would, yeah. I would say without without knowing anything about the contract, um, his agent dropped the ball there. Right. Like it just and just be like, look, he's going to need some time to adapt. He might not be great right away. He's going to let's give him half a season. We're, you're an you know, like team, I, so. I, you can say, well, you know, Vegas, gave, you know, gave him. Four and a half million dollars per year for two years. Yeah, yes. You know how much more do they have to give him? Well, right. right. You know, I mean, I mean, you you can think that, and and that's the, you know, perhaps the way it is, but um, it's a hard gig. It's a it's a really hard thing to come and come and play. And not just so we're we've talked a little bit about his style and a little bit about his uh, living, you know, living in North America, but. Just think of doing something the same in the same way for your whole life, and now it's just different. Yeah. And everybody else is doing it this different way, and things happen, and you must say in your head, well, what the hell are they doing? Like, why are they doing it that way? But you've got to try and figure it out. Nobody's going to figure it out for you. You've got to figure it out. It's hard. Yeah. No, absolutely. I just, I'm surprised they wouldn't give him more. And, and this is, he might, so if he bolts, if he bolts, it's, it's, is it stuck on their cap or no? No, it's not, right? No, it's not. It's okay. So he could just be like, all right, I'm going back home. Well, yeah, but then it wouldn't be that easy because there's um, – I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, you know, honest. like, I mean, there'd, there'd be – you'd have to void the contract. They'd, you know, Vegas would let him out of the contract, but there's it, – it wouldn't be just as easy as, hey, I'm going back to the KHL. Yeah. It would have to be right. – it would be more difficult than that. All right, a few other questions here um, from uh, – let's go. Well, we talked about Drew, is Drew Ran number one center and is Montreal a bad team. There's a lot of questions about that, and we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's go into uh, from DM Vincent, 89. I think we've, we've had to have touched us on this, but what made you get into broadcasting after you finished your playing days? How did you make that decision? Well, I was already doing a little bit of it. When I got traded from the Rangers to um, – uh, to Los Angeles, uh, we weren't, um, you know, we weren't going to make the playoffs. So I get a call from from a guy who turned out to be um, kind of like a 
a white knight for me. His, his name was Barry Sachs at mm-hmm. ESPN. And he was a Ranger fan, and he'd you know seen me do a bunch of interviews and um, with the Islanders and then the Rangers. And I guess he had in his head, oh, geez, you know, this guy would be pretty good on TV. And so I get a call from him one day. He's like, hey, how you doing, Barry Sachs? Would you like to get into – we'd like you to come in and do some – uh, analyst work during the playoffs. I said, well, I've never done that. He says, no, I know that, and I think you'd be good. And so I decide, to, I decide, okay, sure, I'll try it. But I'm playing. Yeah. So it went really well. The next year they asked me back for a longer stretch. The real benefit of playing in Los Angeles at that time was we never made the playoffs, so I had time to get my broadcasting career going while I was still playing. Right. And so I had done it a few years. Then I retired. And uh, I was planning on taking a year off to figure out what the hell I was going to do. And um, and then I got a call, and Craig Simpson was leaving the Edmonton Oilers broadcast to go coach. And they had an opening. They said, and somebody recommended me and uh, said, hey, look, he's living in Vancouver. Why don't you bring him in for an audition? I went in. I auditioned. I got the job. And I retired in May of 2002, and in October of 2002, I was a full-time broadcaster. So I got lucky, yeah. and then I had to learn and figure it out. And um, It's crazy, man. It's 15 years now. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> It's gone fast. We talked about it. You're, you're almost surpassing your uh, playing career here, right? Like, it's getting to that point. Yeah, and hit a lot less. It's been good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, from Kevin Murray, thoughts on the Hayes TSN night in Barry and Wednesday's night happening in Brandon? Uh, I've never had a night in Brandon. Um, I think my points per game are far superior to whatever the hell Brian Hayes did in his he had one, one game or whatever he no, played. He had one, one assist. Yeah, yeah, one assist. He, uh, yeah, I don't know. What they is, really did him well there because he's um, not good. What is the deal? Like, okay, so I forgot the you score. I forgot the number of goals you had in junior when the Team Canada junior team invite was happening, you told me what it was. It was insane. On your year, on your Yeah, on well, your, I had 50 goals at Christmas. Right, and you did not get invited to the junior team. I did not. Okay. You do not have a night in Brandon. You scored 108 in, yeah. in, in junior one year. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. You did not. You do not. Have, you've never gotten invited to alumni game. We, we covered that. No, I, um, there's, there's a pattern here. And wait, there's one more. You told me you never got a silver stick for a 1,000 games, which is... No, I did not. Everybody gets one. Yeah, not me. <laughs> I don't know why they can all go to hell. Uh, right, is what I, as right. my mom would say, oh, just tell them to go to hell. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know why. I don't know why. I. It would have been kind of nice. I mean, I that goal I mean, record will never be broken, I wouldn't think. I don't get it. I, uh, what have you yeah, done? Um, you know, the World Junior thing, I've, I've slowly moved past it. It's, it's now 35 <laughs> it's, years it's, later. I like to think that I've moved past it. Doing all right. I don't get it, Ray. I don't really I don't yeah, understand I, it. I like how you catalog that stuff. That's great. Thanks. No, yeah, I just, I just I love it, and I don't know why. Like, like, you had a really great career. You did a lot of great things, and, and, and it seems like just, you know. I I'm, think at one point they, you know, they, I could get a, a stick. If I pay for it, what the hell do I want to pay for a stick for? Like, seriously, everyone else has them. But I think there was a time when they started doing them. And so maybe there's, I don't know how many guys, I'd like to know how many guys don't have one and how easily they could rectify it. Because guys weren't playing a thousand games very often. There's only a, I don't know how many, but there's, there's not 200. No, no, I don't think. No. 
And so a bunch of them have them already. I, I don't know. I, now I'm campaigning for a silver <laughs> stick. Look um, what you've reduced to me, too. Uh, uh, Jeff Lawton said, this is an easy one, but you know what? Um, there's questions that, that people get, and, and I get it on the, in the, on the moto side of my other end of things, that are, that are so common knowledge to me, but people, people don't know these things, so it's always good to educate them. Um, Jeff wants to know, why do hockey players always squirt water out of the bottle onto the ice before taking a drink on the bench? Uh, there's no real reason. I will, it just looks good. I thought it was for like backwash. Like, hey, I don't want whatever's floating on top. I don't know. Well, no, but if you think about it, so say there's backwash. Well, first of all, if you see somebody suck taking it, a drink of water and they it. got their lips on it, <laughs> right. somebody will say, get your mouth off the frickin' bottle. Right. Right? Like, I got a drink out of that next. Yeah. You know? So, guys, no. But I don't know. It doesn't clean out bacteria. You're not even touching yeah. the outside of the bottle. You're just squirting water out onto the ice. And yeah. I think because it looks cool. Um, Dar at Dar124 says, Ray, do you have any stories about the drafting scouting process was like for you? So 1980. Oh, God, I have no idea what happened. There's no combine. Like, they didn't bring you in for, for no. Nope. <laughs> I um, didn't talk to anybody. Um, the Rangers sent a evaluation, uh, like a psychology evaluation in the mail. Um, I don't even remember if I filled it out or not. Um, yeah, didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. I saw my central scouting ranking, which was Where were in you? the second round. Um, oh, you were, okay. And I went in the fifth round. So maybe that should have been an early hint <laughs> for me, Steve. That, and and uh, so what are you doing when Hartford Whalers call? Um, I was at home. Yep. I didn't go to school that day because, you know, I was hoping to get drafted and thought I was going to get drafted. And I was so disappointed when I get a call from the radio station. They say, Name's been called fifth round Hartford Whalers. I was so disappointed. It so was not. It was not they, what I had been dreaming of. So they just did all the rounds in one day from Montreal or something yeah. back in the day. I right? didn't. Yeah. I didn't hear from anybody from the Whalers. I oh God, I want to say ten days. <laughs> I, I guess I'm I figured sorry. we weren't I going anywhere, right? Yeah, I know, I guess. I'm really sorry to laugh at all this. <laughs> Fifth round, ten days later. Hey, uh, oh, yeah, hey, has anyone called that Ferraro kid? <laughs> well, we better call him and say, hey, welcome to the team. We're really happy to have you. Is that, uh, who is that? Is that Ed Johnson? No. No, the general manager at the time was Emil Francis. Emil Francis, that's it. The cat. And um, uh, the, the head scout was Bill Deneen, Kevin's dad. Oh, okay. Going to and so him. in that draft, um, they drafted Ulf Samuelson in the third round, mm-hmm. Kevin Deneen in the fourth round, and me in the fifth round. Yeah. And Francis. It turned out to be a pretty transformational draft. Ronnie was two years earlier, Ron Francis two years earlier, yeah. and they were he starting was fourth to overall. Yep. Uh, at Joe919, this is, uh, we'll try to keep this short, but uh, I would love if you and Ray discussed if you think politics and sports will be intertwined from now on. It seems like discussions are only getting stronger and won't stop. Um, love the pod. This I, is, I don't see how it can't be. Right. This goes off the, the heels of the Penguins uh, making their White House visit. So. Yeah, I don't see how it can't be. There's now more form to to make your opinion known. Um, I I do think it's a, you know, it is a bit of a slippery slope, Um I understand why fans will say, hey, just stick to sports, like they say it to me, although I don't try to mm-hmm. get very political um, because I'm 
I, I don't know. I just I don't I don't want to I don't want to get into a discussion on Twitter trying to have a chat with somebody that I don't know about mm-hmm. something that's rather complex and trying to do it in 140 characters. Yeah, it, make, it makes no sense to me. Um, but when when people say, you know what, look, athletes should be they should be happy. They're getting paid a lot of money. They're playing a game for a living. They are. They are happy, but that doesn't mean they can't look around and say, man, there's a lot of stuff that's just wrong that could be better. There's never going to be perfect, but it could be better. So, for example, you're an NFL player, um, which, of course, is at the head of the protests, you know, like Mm -hmm. the right in the firing line, if if that's the right word. You're a black player who makes tens of millions of dollars, and you look around and you go, yeah, my cousin's been stopped, uh, as they call it, DWB, yeah. driving while black. Yeah. They've like we we can say, hey, don't worry about it. What what? Just play football. What do we know about it? What do I know about it? I I think they're it's entirely in their right as a citizen of the country to have an opinion and to say you should have your opinion outside of the game. The whole point of a protest is to have people notice. If I go into my backyard right now and, and take a knee and play the national anthem, nobody sees it. There is no protest. Yep. They, you have to try to enact change if you feel there's inequality. And for somebody to say you can't do that, you got a constitution that tells you you can. And anybody that thinks differently doesn't understand the piece of paper that it's written on. Yeah, they've really made the anthem down here in the U.S. into this disrespecting the military thing. And, and that, to me, somehow the military, who, by the way, has bought and paid for many of those um, uh, people getting reunited on the field at NFL games, yeah. they, they bought and paid for this. This is propaganda. But the, but the military told Colin Kaepernick they were more comfortable if he kneeled Kneeling, and not yeah. sat. Yeah. And it's not like he made it up. Nope. Now, he's done some things that people like to bring up that probably haven't been so, so sharp. Yep. There's been no perfect path for anybody. Yep. Like, no, nobody's got a life full of perfection. And he screwed up a couple of times. He did a few things that, you know, yep. probably aren't, you know, aren't cool. pretty cool yeah, with everybody. Yeah, right. And I agree. But, and I agree with that. I, I and, think, oh, and I 100% agree. Yep. But it doesn't mean he can't sense and see that, oh, there's a lot of things that aren't right here. This and is a, a whole bunch of white people telling a whole bunch of black people not to protest is really kind of bogus. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very, uh, I don't know what the word is. It, it's it's it, inevitable. It's, Look, yeah. there's too much, like before you used to watch the news at 6 o'clock when I was a kid with Walter Cronkite. You talked about the news with your neighbors. You know, my dad used to talk with his friends about it. But there were no platforms. There was only, you got the newspaper and that was it. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere else to discuss it. Well, now it's it's everywhere. How are you not going to discuss it? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, we're in like uncharted waters here, and it's uh, it's a little scary. By the way, on another 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 note, uh, you've seen the things that Jimmy Kimmel has has been saying about the yes, absolutely. And so he's from Vegas, 
And last night they had a lot of uh, local uh, Vegas people and, and some people that just, you know, love the city. People from the Route 91 thing on the video uh, board saying, you know, hey, Vegas strong, we're with you. And congratulations on the team. And, and it was sort of a mix of congratulations on the team and then other people saying that we're with you and this and that. Well, Jimmy Kimmel comes on and I want – Ray, he got a lot of booze. And I'm like, so the guy has a child that, you know, has a heart defect and needs – medical care and then he also talked about these guns and i'm like wow like there was a substantial amount of booing for jimmy kimmel and i'm like and i think you know i lean more on the liberal side and i'm like this guy just he's been making sense to me and i'm like oh boy oh boy but but see this is this is the part of it that i think is is critical is that jimmy kimmel is allowed to have a really strong opinion we all are. Mm-hmm. He has a platform, a national platform, that that he has to make his appeal. Yeah. It's entirely in his right for him to do that. But his producers and his network can say, you got to knock that off because we're losing sponsors and advertising, which is the whole game anyway. And if he says no, then they'll split. But he's allowed to do that, and the people are allowed to boo him. Yep. You don't have to agree. Yeah. Now, it seems nonsensical to me, living in Canada, to to not agree with his position on health care. Like, I don't, I you know, I mean, I've grown up with this. This is what I know. It's what I am comfortable with. Is it perfect? Not by a long shot. Like, not by a long shot. But... I agree that it makes our country a little more comfortable, I, I will say. Yeah. And, and Now, people don't agree with it. That's fine. Yeah. You can disagree. Yep. But it doesn't mean he loses the right to yeah. protest, to, to speak out against what he think is, thinks is wrong. Both sides are right. That's what I don't get. <laughs> but you can't tell anybody how to think. And again, I'll go back to... Free speech, which is in the Constitution, it's at the very top. It's not buried down there, number six. It's yeah. number one. Yeah, it's uh, all right. Let's let's move on. But um, but there, so we're talking about well, politics yeah. and sports. Be yeah, we just decided it is, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, and I can't confirm this, but I read it on Twitter about Twitter. Pittsburgh Penguins Twitter account didn't do anything about the visit to the yeah, White House. Yeah, it went dark during their um, Ooh, during their visit. Very odd. Very odd. I guess yeah, they just said well, they wanted to stay. I, out of it, right? I would say that's the old. Let's just hope this all just <laughs> goes away. Uh, Adam Simmons wants to know: Too many men on the ice. Usually, the coach's fault or just eager players? Um, sometimes both. A bit of both, right? Yeah. Sometimes the things will be happening fast. The coach will see a matchup. He changes. So, like, he changes his mind who he wants on the ice. So he'll yell, you know, like Ferrero. Ferrell's line, and then you'll go, no, Mathis. Well, in the, in the middle of that, both right-wingers jump on the ice. Yeah. And it's loud, and sometimes it just, it so, just gets confused. Other times, somebody's not paying attention. Right. And um, so his line will go on the ice. He sees that he's, oh, I'm late. He jumps on the ice, but in that two seconds, somebody's noticed he's not ready to go, and they jump on the, right, yep. on the ice. Yep. Now you get now you get too many guys out there. I always thought uh, at the NHL level it was a matter of keeping your eye on your guy 
um, and, and what, what he's, you know, when he's coming well, off. Well, it, it, it is that simple, except yep. when the coach decides right. that he wants to change the matchup. Right. And I will tell you the best too many men on the ice story that I yes, know. Yes, please, please. Um, we're playing in Hartford. Sylvain Cote is a 19-year-old. He's from Quebec. Um, you know, he's kind of been a sheltered kid. So the San Diego chicken is at our game. <laughs> Okay. And so he's doing his thing right beside well, the bench. Where is this going to go right now? This is so. <laughs> the defenseman comes to the bench to change, and Sylvain is supposed to go on the ice, mm-hmm. but he's watching the chicken. <laughs> so the defenseman who's supposed to change sees that nobody's ready to go because Cote's watching the chicken. Right. So he turns around and goes back on the ice. Well, one of the other defensemen sees that one guy is changing. Notices nobody's going, yeah. so he jumps on the ice. Cote so. finally figures out <laughs> Wait a that minute. it's his turn, so he jumps on the ice. So the, they blow the whistle, right? right? We have four of our six defensemen on the ice. <laughs> and so the linesman comes over and he says to Jack Evans, our coach, he's yeah. like, hey, tax too many men. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, you have your whole defense on the ice. <laughs> And we just cracked up. And so Cote comes back and says, sorry, guys, I was watching the chicken. <laughs> it was great. That is good. That's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about um, being the guy that has to go serve the bench miner? I loved it. You did, right? <laughs> Always. Got my own water bottle. Got to talk to the guy that ran the, you know, open right. and close the door. A little more room. Maybe get I never a sh- killed penalties anyway. Yeah, maybe get a shorty. Breakaway? Well, you always hope for it, right. but at, at the very least, I, you know, I had my own water bottle. Oh, funny. I uh, liked it. Two more. Uh, Andrew Huska says, what is your favorite thing about Austin Matthews on the ice? And, and you know I had to ask this. Just that goal, that shot, we talked about it. But well, the shot was, <clears throat> what was is... so perfect. I, I, like, I like his demeanor. I like how determined he is. Um, I like how composed he is. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. like... What 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 not? Yeah, I, I, he's a fabulous player. He will be pretty soon. You're going to be talking about the very best players in the league, and it'll be McDavid and Matthews. You know, like it's yeah. going to be. You're not going to say, "Oh, Matthews is one of the ten best players." No, he's going to be one of the three best players. You you said on this pod last year, Ray, that he reminds you a bit of Ronnie Francis. Yeah, just understated. Yep. He doesn't. There's not. You know, he's not. Um, Filled with outward emotion, um, but there is some. Um, when you talk to him, I talked to him the other day, and um, just for a few minutes, and like you see, there's way more personality than he lets on. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so Ronnie was was is like that. You know, like Ronnie's really conservative and buttoned down, and he doesn't doesn't show a lot of emotion, but but it's there. It really is. All right, uh, time for Ray's random NHLer. Uh, I bring up a guy from uh, from the past that you played with or against, and and you tell us a story about either him himself or playing against him or thoughts on that. And uh, people seem to enjoy this segment. So uh, I was uh, flipping through uh, an older hockey news, and this name came up. I don't ask me why I was flipping through one. It's I have no life. But yeah, uh, clearly, Brian Trache, who you know you didn't oh. play in his glory days, but you matched up against him. I would imagine uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, I did. Um, I played with him or played against him when he was with the Islanders at the end as well. And uh, just, uh, you know, fierce and mean and talented. Um, 
you know, by the time I got to play against him, he was, you know, a little bit long in the tooth. And, yeah. But, you know, so he wasn't, you know, quite as quick or as skilled as he was earlier on. But, you know, Gilly's Trache Bossy was yeah. one of the 70s best lines. You know, Lafleur, Shutt, and Lemaire in Montreal, and then those three. Uh, those were the best lines. Yep. And Brian was the engine of of those teams. Um, it was know, and it was cool how he like went from you know he he won the heart I think or he won the Art Ross I believe and then then he became a you know yeah they, then he's he like just, a he had to become something different mm-hmm. and um, Brian is a um, was a fiercely competitive player and that's the one thing I think gets kind of overlooked with some of these great teams and players is we all talk about the skill and but if you don't if you don't have the inner the inner engine, you have to have enough of it mm-hmm. for your team to be successful. And the Islanders, you know, they had Denny Potvin, they had Brian Trache, you know, Bossy was their big goal scorer, but they were a real, they were a real team. You know, like they yeah. didn't, even though they had the stars, like those guys were, like that that team was a, a collective machine. Yep. And Brian was, was the heartbeat of it. So when you got to the Islanders in uh, 88, 89? Um, were 89, yeah. 89, were they, were they like, I mean, he was still lurking around there, stories of him and things like that? Oh, of course. You know? I yep. mean, that, yep. those teams, that's, that's yeah, of course. Yep. They won four straight Stanley Cups. Right, right. There's, there's stories of them all the time. Yep, yep. You, and as there should be. Right. And in Pittsburgh, you know, I imagine he was just, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to score anymore. I'm not going to be the guy. I got Mario, got Francis, but I'm going to check. And I'm going to. Yeah, he was, he was the fourth line center <laughs> right. in Pittsburgh. And so, you know, again, back then there was no salary cap, so you could afford to have a guy of his, his vintage, of his age, of his experience, and you could easily plug them in uh, on your team. You ever feel bad when you were, um, you know, I mean, you're a, a fan of the game and, and you're very knowledgeable and you follow all these guys. You had to find yourself maybe cursing at Brian Trotje at some point and calling him an old goat or something. And you're like, no, I always. I can't believe I'm but doing that. It doesn't that. matter. I can't believe I'm doing that. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't matter at all because. You never felt bad? It never, like. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Because, I, man, I'm, that's my life. It's my job. Like, I didn't, I didn't okay. need his autograph. I know. And there were times as soon as I got older that, and not that I was the player Brian was, but, yeah. you know, guy, you'd hear all the time, hey, old man, let the kids play. Get out of the game. Yeah. Right? Happen all the time. That's just so, right. the way it is. If you can't take it, then you need to go home. Right, right. I just, it's Brian Trotje, you know, and you're like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, funny. Uh, I love that. The <laughs> San Diego chicken. That's an all-time. That's a good one. It's yep. a good one. We're Coco. It's we really call them Coco after the wrestler Coco Beware. <laughs> and um, uh, he was. Uh, oh, funny! Yeah, he was watching the chicken. So there you go. Too many men on the ice. Right. All right, Ray. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, thank you for uh, enlightening us all on uh, what's going on in the NHL. Uh, we'll be here each and every week uh, on Stitcher app, on iTunes, on any sort of podcatcher, PaulPocky.com as well. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, send in a question if you want. We'll try to get to it. And, Ray, so what are you, where are you going Thursday? What would you say? Uh, game in Vancouver in, Thursday. Yep. Um, Winnipeg is here. And then I'm in Calgary on Friday for Ottawa again. Oh, Yarmar Yager will be playing by then. I think I think yeah. that might be his debut. If he doesn't play tonight, I yeah. think he'll play Friday at home. Oh, fantastic! Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Ray. You betcha. And just to uh, to end this on what we started with, I have totally refiled my office. So. <laughs>
Great to hear. Fantastic. Yes. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll get at you next Wednesday.